Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop. Today, we are talking about something we've made ourselves. Yes, this is uh, DIY Mead. DIY. In this episode. Yeah, make, make your own wine. Instead of BYO, it's MYO. <laughs> yeah. It was a fun experience, and it took a lot of patience. So, stay tuned. Uh, I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. This is our do-it-yourself mead episode where you will learn how to DIY some mead because we did. Mm. But, uh, or let's... DIY your own wine or beer. Yeah. But we are, talk- I suppose we're talking more specifically about wine and mead because that's what we made. That's what we made, yes. So uh, let's quickly flash back to episode 22 <laughs> where we so long ago. talked about mead. And suggested that at some point we'd make some. <laughs> How long did it take us take for us to actually get started? Well, it is now episode sixty, and oh, nearly a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so a while. It took a while, but um, yeah. For if you haven't listened to episode twenty-two yet, or haven't listened to it in a long time, and can't quite remember what mead is, it's a Basically, the oldest type of fermented alcoholic drink in the world. Yeah. Like, the Romans used to make this heaps. Yeah, it's about 4,000 years old. Mm, Probably about as old as beer. Mm, Perhaps. Yeah, because it was made by ancient Indians, ancient Egyptians, the ancient Mm. Romans. Ancient Celts. Yeah, everybody was was up in the mead. They, They were all over it. Yeah. And, it, and it's so simple to make, too. Yeah. I mean, in uh, in ancient times, it was probably made by very simply diluting honey with water in clay or wooden pots, and then just leaving them for the natural yeasts that occur in the honey and in the air hmm. to, to do the job. To do their thing. Yeah. But, uh, of course, commercial mead producers tend to use a mix of honey fresh yeast from uh, from a bag from a lab mm. and uh especially crafted yeast yeah and lemons and water mm. often adding the lemons but uh yeah traditionally it's left to ferment for at least a year before drinking but um if you don't have a year to wait it is possible to speed up the process by uh, adding pure alcohol to the mix yeah though you probably shouldn't it won't taste the same they probably use the a spe- specific uh, strand of yeast or yeah branch of the the yeasts to keep brewing their mead to give it the same flavor. What that does is it creates a specific taste that they can market and therefore put on their labels so they don't have to change it every batch. Yeah, so they can say this is our mead. This is what our mead tastes like, mm. and people will come to like that mead. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people that, uh, well, not a lot of people, not a, very few people do it anymore. But back in the day, the the wild yeast would uh, it would carry very different flavors depending on where where the yeast came from. Uh, like some of the brewers, craft brewers today that are brewing beer, they 
are using wild yeast. And I remember one particular story we were told on our craft brewery tour. Uh, it was that these guys were getting wild yeast to brew their beer by pointing a funnel in the direction of uh, a farm, farmyard or a field of cotton and catching the wild yeast that had come from that direction and using that to brew their beer. And the yeast that fermented their beer imparted a farmyard flavor or a cotton field flavor to the, to the beer. Yeah, which is uh, an interesting idea and certainly something that should carry across to anything you're fermenting with yeast, really. Mm. And, uh, I mean, fantastically interesting thing about mead, of course, is whether you're making it yourself or buying some that somebody else has made, it keeps longer than any other alcohol. Mm. Like, pretty much forever. Yeah. That probably has to do with a couple of things. One, it's alcoholic. And two, honey doesn't age. Yeah, exactly. Honey keeps forever. You can yeah. buy a jar of honey and keep it in your cupboard eternally. Well, they, they found... Archaeologists found a couple of jars of honey with that were buried with a couple of Egyptian... Or buried with an Egyptian sarcophagus. And apparently it was still good to consume. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or it never goes bad. It, it just gets darker. Yeah. It just gets darker. So, I suppose we should get into, uh, into the process... Mm. of uh, how it's made. And the interesting thing is, with us having pretty much just talked about wild yeast, basically the first step is to mix your water and your honey and boil the crap out of it to kill off any wild yeast. Yeah. Or, um, that that's pretty much the sticking point, or not the sticking point, the most important part of brewing today. If you don't want random flavours in your beverage, in your brew then you need to sterilize the shit out of everything. Yeah, so if you've got... Um, let's let's talk through the things that you need. I mean, you need a very big glass jar, obviously, like a five-liter, all for our Americans, one gallon. Yeah, they're, they're called carboys in the homebrew scene. Yeah. And, yeah, they, they start at five liters or one mm. gallon. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, of course, you need an airlock, some plastic tubing, and some bottles to pour it into when you're done. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, sterilizing agents. A lot of sterilizing mm. agents. <laughs> I knew someone who would use metho to sterilize their uh, equipment. And I'm I'm still not sure that's a good idea, but that's what she did. Right, yeah, that would uh, surely change the flavor. I don't know. I didn't notice it, but it just seemed weird. I mean, you could probably use isopropyl alcohol um, or something similar because that's like hospital grade disinfectant yeah that'll that'll get the job done mm. it'll kill 99.9 percent of germs and you'll have that one percent which will get killed by boiling the boiling yeah or the yeast that you put in there it'll yeah. just overpower whatever's left which is another perk of adding your own yeast but we'll get to that later yeah and so obviously ingredients wise you're going to want a lot of honey like if Assuming you've got the five liter, a basic recipe mm. would be two kilos of honey and three and a half liters of water. Yeah. Uh, the for for people who are curious, the specific gravity or the density of honey is about one point four to one. So one point four kilograms of honey is one liter of honey. Mm. So if you need to measure it, like I did, um, I made it quite. Uh, I made quite a dry mead this time around, and I used 1.4 kilos of honey to 4 litres of water, or 1 litre of honey to 4 litres of water. Yeah, which is a, would be very mm. dry. 
Whereas, yeah, the uh, the two to three point five ratio gives you a sort of a, a medium. Yeah. Mead. And you know you can change that all the way up to uh, four liters of honey to one liter of water, where you'll have an ultra sweet mead, uh, depending on how good your yeast is. Yeah, you can yeah play with the ratios to get a flavor you like. Hmm. And you know you've got you've got all your different herbs and spices that you can throw in as well. Uh, you would put those in the put those in with the boiling process to both sterilize and to release the flavors. Yeah, and uh, then if you were to add something citric like lemon, you would do that after the boiling process hmm. as you were bottling. Yeah. Well, in fact, you'd uh, probably do that after you'd let it um, ferment and age because the citric acids may harm the yeast potentially. Potentially. Um, so that's why you don't find many pineapple-flavoured drinks. Yeah. Hmm. I know pineapple is not exactly citrusy, but it's very acidic. Mm, yeah, very acidic. So it, it sort of makes sense that yeah, you might do the because once you've got it, you know, all prepared and you've put it into your jar, then you want to seal it up with that airlock. With your airlock, yes, making sure that there is not a complete seal because you don't want to blow the thing up. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Then the the reason for the airlock is that the the yeast eats sugar and pisses out alcohol and farts carbon dioxide. Yeah, and the <laughs> pressure the pressure the pressure in your container will build up and it will explode if there's nowhere for it to go. Yeah, unless you've got a heavy duty container, but you'd have to be buying one specifically for the carbonation process. Like for beers, the reason they're still carbonated is because they are designed to withstand that pressure. Yeah, they lock the carbonation in with it. So mm has to spread back into the liquid. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so once you've got it in there, you want to leave it for at least four to six weeks. Yep, that's what that's what we did. To ferment, and it's at the end of that process, when you've shifted it into other bottles, that you would probably add some lemon if you wanted to. Mm. But then you want to filter it, obviously, to get any sediment out. Yeah. Use a coffee filter or... Um Muslin cloth or a tea towel? Yeah, or um, some cheesecloth if you've got it. I mean, traditionally, they probably would have used uh, cheesecloth. Yeah. Or a a tea towel that they've, or something similar that they've boiled to uh, kill off all the nasties that would normally live in cloth. Yeah. And yeah, you just pour it through that into something that you can then pour it out of into a bottle. Hmm. And then if it's a bottle with a cork, cork the bottle. If it's a bottle with a screw top, screw the top on. And there you have it. And yeah, put, yeah, it, put it aside. It, well, it is right to drink straight away if you really want to. Mm. But the longer you leave it... The better it's going to be. Yeah, the, the better it's going to be. And of course, if you filter it again, you can change the flavours again. Hmm. Um, but yeah, there's plenty, 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 plenty of different recipes out there for you to to choose from just google homebrew wine or homebrew mead cuz the the standard one where which is honey and water tastes pretty good but if you want to change it up um there's so many ways you can mix it up yeah yeah like we said herbs spices fruit fruit juices assuming that they're not you know that you're careful enough not to kill off your yeast because if you transfer it to a bottle and you kill off all your yeast, it's not going to age anymore. 
Well, it's not going to age without yeast in it anyway. No, well, that's that's oh, what I'm saying. Like, if you accidentally oh, kill all your yeast off, it's not going to keep developing. Oh, it's not going to ferment. Yeah. Right. Because once it's in the bottle, it does keep... You know, when you've shifted it to your smaller bottles, it keeps fermenting, it keeps developing, it keeps improving. Mm. But usually that's done without the yeast in it. Mm. All the yeast should be left in the carboy. Yeah, once you've filtered it sufficiently, mm. and you should have a very cloudy section at the bottom. Yeah. If if you've done it properly, if you've mm. shaken it up too much, then you should wait until it all settles. Uh, do you want to talk about reusing yeast? Yes, let's. Because you can, surprisingly enough. Um, it doesn't die when the drink reaches the reaches the end of the fermenting stage. It doesn't die, it just falls asleep. And if you want to reuse it, if you want to take care of it and brew another beverage... It's quite easy to to start again. So you've got that, say, quart or half a liter of mixture left over in the bottom, with the with the yeast sitting right at the bottom. Uh, you boil a probably three four liters half the container of water again. Boil that much water, pour it in, mix it up, and when you mix it up, everything gets mixed up into it. But the then you leave it for 20 minutes to half an hour and the the yeast husks and dead bits all fall to the bottom. And the mixture that's still cloudy is the live yeast, the sleeping yeast. And so you pour that into another container or decant it again and away you go. That mixture is good to use. Mm, there we go. So you can have an endless cycle of mead production. With the same lot of yeast, if you do it right. If you're very careful, because at every single transfer point, there is the risk of picking up wild bacteria, wild yeast, which could kill... It could kill your yeast, and it could also kill you by just being toxic, like salmonella or um, something other toxic bacteria that gets in there. Because they also feed, they also feed on sugar, but having the yeast be the more prominent thing, it normally kills off everything else. Right, interesting. So make make sure you sterilize everything as you go. Yes, you don't want to be drinking death. No, no one wants that. Um, let's talk about the mead. Let's pour some more because we <laughs> finished it. Yes. Finished off half a glass while we were talking. Yeah, so this mead came up uh, quite light because of the ratios that uh, that were used in creating it. Do I save this last little bit, or do I just... Ah, stuff it, let's enjoy it. Oh, we got more to go. So that, there's 700 mils, I've still got 3 litres to go. Mm. Excellent. I suppose that's that's an important uh, important point that out of the five liters, you really only got you really only get four out of it. Yeah, because there's a little bit lost to evaporation. Well, not exactly evaporation. It's gonna turn into carbon dioxide, and some of it's gonna be left in the bottom with the yeast because you can't always get to that. Yeah, you can't use it all because you don't want to drink the yeast. No, that will make you sick. Yeah. Yes, you definitely shouldn't have yeast doing battle with all the natural bacteria in your body. <laughs> Very true. So, the homebrew we're drinking now, it's probably about two and a half months old. I started it just after you 
went to Japan. And that was a yeah, while ago. Yeah, so it'd be now. about two and a half months because yeah. that was middle of September. Mm, and it's so oh, so that's it's middle of November. So it's two months. Two months. So it's two months old. Two two months since I started the process. Mm. And it's it's okay, but it's it tastes very young. It's still quite yeasty and bitey. Yeah, and you can see that there's some flavors starting to develop because uh, when we were first pouring it into the smaller bottles, we tried a bit straight from. Oh yeah, it was dreadful. Yeah, it was. It was um, super yeasty. It was sharp, almost mm. like had really sharp, tangy flavors. But um, what else? Even straight from the bottle immediately after being filtered it was better yeah it, straight away a, a noticeable difference hmm. and yeah it's it's better now it's developing a little more complexity yeah but there's uh, there's more of a warmth there than i think there was initially yes there is um that could be just the development of or refinement of the alcohol that's in there not I'm not entirely sure of the process. We would probably need a chemical engineer to describe it to us, in or a, a biochemist mm. to describe the actual process of how uh, alcohol ages. Yes, but certainly mead is one of those things where there is no limit to how long you can age it for, mm. and the longer it ages, the supposedly better it will taste, but certainly it will always taste different with time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got yeah I've got two separate bottles, and I I'll probably see if I can open them again. I'll open one of them again in six months, and the other one again at twelve months this time next year, and we'll see how they go. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think that's uh, a good experiment. Hmm. So six months time. What's that? Twentieth of. As of as of recording, mm. six months will be the twentieth of, of May. Oh, yeah, six months twentieth of May. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, six months will be twentieth of May, and then twelve months twentieth of November again. Hmm. All thereabouts. Thereabouts, approximately. Hmm. Stay tuned. <laughs> yes, you won't believe what happens. That you will, though. You, you, you you'll will t- totally believe we'll, it. We'll drink mead. <laughs> we will, and it'll taste better than the mead today, even though it's the same mead. Or is it? Yes. Or is it? It will be same, but different. Yeah. But currently, I reckon you could liken it to uh, a cheap Chardonnay. Yeah, potentially. I mean, it's um, not too sweet. Mm. I mean, of course, because of the, the low sugar content and the low amount of honey, Yeah, it, it was never going to be too sweet. Mm. But it's still got a, a pleasant sweetness and, uh, and complexity to it. It doesn't quite have the fruitiness that you might get from a... No, it doesn't have to, well it doesn't have any fruitiness yeah. really. But it's if it's got a got a similar flavor I would say similar flavor style to a Chardonnay. It's it's dry. Mm. It's a little bit bitey in the back of your throat. It's got that warmth afterwards. Um and it's similar appearance as hmm. well. Similar in color. So a little cloudier than you might expect a Chardonnay to be. Probably because we didn't filter it perfectly. Well, yeah, I mean, we filtered it old school through a cloth. Yeah, old style. So one important thing to keep in mind when you are brewing your own 
meet or anything is is the laws of the country you're in yeah the laws of the country you're in um i suppose we can't really speak to the american laws i mean everyone makes their own beer in the u.s beer and wine in the u.s i suppose people make their own spirits as well yeah no i I believe in in most countries home brewing is legal where things get a bit iffy is on what you can then do with it apart from consuming it yourself yeah well also uh distilling your own is different to brewing your own because i know with in australian law distilling is not uh, not allowed it's illegal to distill your own drinks Mm, well, of course, because the distilling process, high pressure, high heat. Uh, high alcohol. Yeah, and basically means having something that could potentially explode in your home if you're not careful. Mm. And also, if you distill it incorrectly, if you go through the process incorrectly, it will send you blind. Yeah. the um, I believe distilling produces both methanol alco- or methyl alcohol and ethyl alcohol. So ethanol is the stuff we're drinking now, and meth- methanol is methylated spirits. Yeah, which is something that you really shouldn't drink. No, don't recommend. Yeah. <laughs> great for uh, cleaning. Yeah, it's great for cleaning things. But I suppose it's also good for cleaning the inside of your guts yeah. if you drink it. And of course... And everything else, that everything else down there too. <laughs> mm. And yeah, anyone who's ever uh, heard tales of uh, pot stills from home brews, from home distilleries, knows that they can explode. Mm. Which I guess is why it's not legal here. Yeah. But definitely is in the States. In some states, because the laws states. change from state to state, they and I'm not do. familiar with all of them. Mm. Uh, if you're unsure, check your local laws. Yeah. That's the best way, probably the best advice we can give on that yes, one. Absolutely. Now, we, we know that. You're allowed to make it. You're allowed to drink it yourself in in Australia with homebrew mm. beer, homebrew mead, mm-hmm. wine. But uh, what about selling it? Well, according to the law, it says the production of beer or wine without a license is not an offence, provided the production is not for commercial purposes, as specified by the Excise Tariff Act, nineteen twenty one. So, obviously, that would include brewing it as a hobby. Yeah. So if you doing what we're doing now that's a that's a hobby that's brewing a hobby. it for personal use even selling a little bit it's it'd still be considered a hobby yeah if unless it's on a commercial scale hmm. it wouldn't be considered commercial and no laws would be broken no licenses would be required yeah um i think hobby laws cover you up to about five thousand dollars worth of income five or seven thousand dollars worth a profit Hmm. and really if you're making it and selling it to your mates you're not going to be trying to make big bucks you're just going (laughs) to maybe try and cover your costs so you can do it again yeah or um because yeah if you're making it you're making it for fun because you mm. enjoy it not to well we're assuming you're not making it you're you're not doing it to make money yeah and if you are it's probably a little bit and as long as it doesn't go too high it's fine Hmm. and if you if you are doing it to make a profit let us know and send us a bottle and we'll talk about it. Yeah. I haven't gotten anything else. Uh, no, neither have I. So let's uh, let everyone know what we'll be talking about in our next episode. What are we talking uh, about in our next episode? We will episode? be blind taste testing white wine. Ooh, another blind taster. 
back. Mm, and that should be interesting because white wine, as uh, you and our good listeners know, is a very broad category. That is almost as broad as just wine itself. <laughs> yeah, except that you know, it'd be easy to go, that's a red. Mm. But at least you know, it's yeah. just whites. It could. It's probably going to be a challenge trying but, to work out which one's which. Potentially, but I, I think what we'll end up finding is just that um, with some wines, you pay for the label, you pay for the brand. Mm. Oh, well, there's a lot and, of that because they go to an awful lot of effort to make labels that stand out. Yeah, and that's, I think, I mean, that that's the main thing for me that has come out of our blind taste test so far, is that... Branding. Branding, yeah. And mm. that you're not actually necessarily paying for the quality so much as paying for being able to tell people what you're drinking. Yeah. Well, I'm sure uh, Moe is a perfect example of that. Like, it's billed itself as a top-notch wine, or a top-notch bubbly, and who knows whether it is or not. I actually haven't had any Moe before. Ah, see, I, I have, but not in quite some time, and I don't recall thinking that it was any better than Nasty. Hmm. There you go. So stay tuned next week for hearing us talk about mystery white wines. Yeah. And uh, so now, the plugs. The plugs. So if you enjoyed what you heard, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts or Podbean. We are a good drop all about alcohol. Yeah, so we're a good drop podcast on Facebook and Instagram. We have an old-fashioned website, agooddrop.com.au. Yep, and if you have any feedback, questions, if you want to send us booze to talk about, send us an email to agooddrop at gmail.com. And, of course, do remember to subscribe and tell your friends about us because that's how we get more listeners and we like to know that you're listening. That yeah. Subscribers lets us know that you're listening. We, uh, we're having a lot of fun with this show, so we want to continue. Yes. So, uh, until next time. Cheers. Cheers.